The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, let's welcome in Eagles great Ron Jaworski. And it's amazing seeing that video from almost a decade ago with you and Michael Vick and your foundations giving hundreds of thousands of dollars for Vick Field for the Philadelphia Aztecs. And one of the Mm -hmm. kids there at the ribbon cutting, Kyle Pitts, is going to be one of the top picks in the draft. How special is that, that you've seen this coming out of your big investment in that field? Yeah, John, it's it's remarkable. You know, to, to see Kyle Pitts not only perform at the high school level or the little league level with the Huntington Park Aztecs, but then, you know, at Archbishop Wood, then goes to Florida and, and all the good things that he has done is just remarkable as a player. And, and I am so proud uh, that we were able to play a small part in his development by putting a new field over at Huntington Park uh, through my Jaws, who's playbook and the Michael Vick uh, team as well, his foundation. So, you know, the, the Fairmont Park Conservancy has done a great job of helping kids out you know, uh, we got a lot of people involved to build that not only a playground, but the field, the sidelines, the bleachers, uh, and of course, a, a turf field that the kids just absolutely love to play on. So then I see Kyle Pitts and I go, oh my God, we did make a difference. We made a difference in the life of this young man. So that's the good part about it. And he says he's going to give back as well to the Aztecs for what they did for him. So how special is that? Everybody's paying it forward here. Yeah, that's really rewarding, John. The fact that uh, that Kyle understands that there were people before him that helped him get to where he's going. So the fact that he is he has that awareness shows what, what a great young man he is. Uh, he's already talking about giving back, and he doesn't have it yet. Well, it was going to be the perfect storyline if he was drafted by the Eagles. He could actually <laughs> play in the city where that field was. But when you saw the Eagles move back from 6 to 12, are you now thinking that dream is done? Yeah, I would think so. He's a top five player. I mean, when I look at him on tape, John, my eyes pop out of my head. This guy is six foot six, just a hair under six, six, 245 pounds, runs a four, four, 40. He can play anywhere. 
wide receiver, tight end, in the slot, out the backfield. He can do everything. And, and that's what you want in a football player. I was kind of thinking a few weeks ago when Eagles were at six, there was a chance when they moved to 12, no chance. All right. So what did you think of them moving back? Do you agree with that, with what came out of it when you have a guy like Pitts there? Yeah, and Jamar Chase will probably be likely be there at six as well. Those are two guys that I absolutely love outside some of the quarterbacks that I've broken down. Uh, but clearly, I think Howie made a really good move. He moved six spots from six to 12 and picks up another number one next year. So I, I think it was a good move. This is an Eagles team that needs some health, uh, some, some, some health and you know some help in a lot of positions. I think getting a number of draft choices does help. All right. Now you were involved with the coaching search with the Eagles for Doug Peterson. Were you also involved with the coaching search that wound up with Nick Sirianni? I was not involved in the latest uh, search for Nick Sirianni. Uh, I'm going to stop the Doug Peterson situation because it brought us a Super Bowl this town. So I won't get any further than that. I'll quit while I'm ahead. All right. You're one for one then, Joe. Right. <laughs> All right. So when you read the athletic article that came out recently, and it depicted a lot of dysfunction with, within the Eagles. Since you're very close with your Eagles organization, what did you think of a lot of the things in that article? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very close to just about every person that was mentioned in that article. And I know the, the quality of, of the people that they are. I know how much every single person cares about winning and cares about their teammates and their organization. Uh, sometimes things get out of control. And sometimes there is an organizational failure. It, it's not one person. I know how much, you know, Doug Peterson wanted to win. I know how much Howie Rosen wants to win and Jeffrey Lurie wants to win, how much the fans of Philadelphia want to see this, this team win. But it just got a little bit out of control. And unfortunately, uh, some people paid dearly for it. But, you know, when things like this happen, you have to move ahead. you got to look back. And I, I don't normally not, not say don't look back, but don't look back, move forward, and let's learn from what happened and make this team a better football team. And you've known Jeffrey Lurie for a long time. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah told me that when he was a scout, Jeff was heavily involved, but challenged people and that it was a good thing. Do you think he's crossed over at all into meddling or getting too involved here? I do not. Uh, I, I do not. He, you know, he has football people that make the football decisions. Uh, Howie Rosen leads that group. I think Jeffrey Lurie is the owner of the team. He has a right to say what he wants to say. Uh, that that's his prerogative to do that. But I, I have never found him to be a guy and people that I, that I know very closely where he comes in and starts telling people what to do. He is, he is active. He cares. He's on the practice field. He will attend some of the meetings, but he's not a guy that goes out there and imposes his will on people to do things. He knows what he knows, not what he doesn't know. We saw your former colleague, Chris Mortensen say that Jeff has instructed the organization to build around Jalen Hurts and go with Jalen this year. Do you think that's true? And do you think that would be crossing the line? That's a tough one to answer. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to question the reporting of, of Chris Mortensen. He's a, he was a colleague for you know over 20 years, and I know how hard he works his job. But uh, I, I don't see a situation where the owner begins to dictate who should play and who shouldn't play. You know, football is a very competitive game. The average lifespan of an NFL player is 3.1 years. Their career is very short. And, and, and you're – Spot in a team should not be determined by who your friends are in the front office, by your performance on the field. It becomes a slippery slope if you know ownership and management start dictating who's going to play and who's not going to play. I think Nick Sirianni will have the final decision on who his quarterback is going to be, and it'll be based on performance. The thing I love about talking to you is, is how much you watch the film, the tape, whatever we call it these days. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
So hey, John, you're dating us. It used to be film. Now it's you watch the tape. <laughs> right. And it's actually like on computers and things like that. So tablets. So when you looked at Jalen Hurts and what he did last year, mindful that he didn't have that offseason, a regular offseason because of the pandemic, and he wasn't the starter. What do you think of his film from this year? What does he need to work on? And does he deserve a shot? Yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised when he first got on the field that he, he played as well as he did. Uh, as you just mentioned, the pandemic really stifled, you know, all young quarterbacks, all young wide receivers. And it was hard to build any esprit de corps with, with wide receivers and quarterbacks because there was no offseason. There was no preseason. There was a, a minimal training camp. So that's a setback, particularly for young quarterbacks. I thought when he got on the field, he played very well. Um, here's what happens, though, with young quarterbacks and mobile quarterbacks. They run too quick. Uh, he was a one-read guy. If one was there and open, he would throw it and look really good doing it. He wasn't a progression reader. He got better after as the, his four games went on, but he wasn't there yet. So when you're a running quarterback, you run because you can. And, and I was impressed those couple games because he did make some good throws. But when teams start to look at the tape on you or film on you, what they do is they know what you want to do. And they change their defense to take away what you want to do. And that's what happened in the last couple of games. Defenses took away the bootlegs, the outside runs. You know, they, they made him play from the pocket with a mush rush, and he wasn't as effective. So the next transition has to be, does Jalen adjust to what defenses did to him? That's the big question. Four games is not a big enough sampling. So when you look at the future here, it looks like they're going to give Jalen a shot here to see if he can be the quarterback. Then they've got that possible three first-round picks next year. Russell Wilson may be wanting out of Seattle, the Deshaun Watson situation. What do you think is going to wind up happening at quarterback for the Eagles? After yeah, this season? yeah, you know, I, I like the situation right now, and, and, and I'm a Joe Flacco fan. And, you know, I've always believed a young quarterback needs a veteran quarterback as a backup. Because a lot of times, uh, you know, a young quarterback – he's a little bit edgy and afraid to talk to coaches the way you need to speak. And that's, that's respectful. Now the guy like Joe Flacco, who's been a Super Bowl MVP, been in this league for a long time. He's got someone he can count on and rely on and see the game through Joe's eyes and listen to what Joe has to say. So I think it's a really good situation to have a good young quarterback in Jalen Hurts and a veteran quarterback like Joe Flacco who can help him out. And by the way, if Joe has to step in for whatever reason, I think Joe still has a lot of talent left. So when you broke down film of the Colts last year, Nick Sirianni, what kind of offense do you think he's going to run here in Philly? Yeah, actually, I've been watching kind of a, a style of Nick Sirianni going back to his days to San Diego Chargers and, you know, Frank Reich out there and the, the offense that, that they kind of ran in San Diego, the offense that went uh, to Indianapolis. It's a rock-solid offense. It's, to me, it's, it, it's, it's a staple of football. Balance. Run the football effectively. Force those linebackers and safeties to cheat up and hit with the play-action passing game. It's not going to be a wide-open three, four, and five-wide look. There's a physical part of, of what I saw the offense of Sirianni came through that I really like. There's going to be a smash-mouth football element, but built into that are going to be shot plays if the defense begins to cheat you take advantage of their cheating and you go over the top. So uh, I like the offense that I think he's going to bring here. Of course, he'll tweak it to the talent he has, but the basic fundamental, as I see in Nick Sirianni's offense, is balance. And I think that's the key to success. Obviously, Carson Wentz was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year. So is it hard to judge some of their younger skill position players? And what do you expect from, you know, a Dallas Goddard, a Miles Sanders, and Jalen Rager in a new offense? 
Yeah, you just mentioned three guys that are very talented, John. It's getting that talent out. You know, I'm going to see these guys with a with an offseason, with a training camp, with preseason games, with coaches, all the things that go into developing young players. Those three guys have great talent. Now, can they be integrated into the right system? I think they can. I really do. I take a guy like Jalen Rager. You know, the guy has great talent. Now, people are going to compare him to Justin Jefferson and all those things. That's, that's just part of the business. But he has great talent. I think if he gets an offseason in, a training camp in, you know, working with Hertz, working with Flacco, you're going to see a guy that learns from being around those players and he's going to be a lot better with a with year under his belt. We talked about what's going on within the Eagles organization. And sometimes you had scouts, you had coaches, you had all these voices about who to draft. What does Howie Roseman need to do and maybe learn from these past situations uh, going into this draft? Yeah, hey, it's pretty simple to me. Let the coaches coach. That's simple. You know, and I look at it. These are quality football coaches. They know what they're doing. Let them coach. Do not interfere with them doing their job. All right, so I'm trying to wrap my mind around what happened with Carson Wentz. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff that happened, but I remember in his press conference that he really talked about the benching in Green Bay. That was a big sticking point, and then he wasn't inserted back into the starting lineup. And then maybe he saw Jalen Hurts with some of the younger guys that gravitated to him. Do you think in the end it came down to he just didn't want to deal with all of that, even if he was named the starter next year? Uh, I don't think so. In fact, I, don't, I really don't know what the answer is, though. But but the, the the fabric of competitive sports at the professional level is to compete. That's what you do. No matter what the situation is, there's always someone trying to take your job. You know, I did it for 17 years. Every year, I had to fight for my job. Randall Cunningham was drafted, you know, in my 13th year in the league. You know, hey, he wanted my job. I fought like hell to keep it. I eventually lost it in a couple of years, but you fight for your job. That's the essence of football. You compete for your job. I, you know, I can't say that uh, Carson didn't compete, but clearly there was a disconnect from his approach to the game and the team approach to the game. And he seemed to get distanced. Now I, I, a lot of things, you know, I'm not in that locker room. In fact, in the pandemic, there was no one around the players. So it's really hard to figure out what exactly happened, but I, I always believe essence is the foundation of professional football and particularly the quarterback spot. So you're disappointed that Carson didn't say, Hey, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to win this job. I am disappointed. I, I am disappointed. And, and I, I've said this a few other times, John, when the season ended, I, I think he owed it to the fans of Philadelphia to, to say something, you know, whatever, whatever he felt right, wrong, or different, but get in front of the cameras there's a lot of people in this town that, that love him. I, I love his talent. I do not like the way this ended. Um, I, Carson's a terrific guy. I would have loved to have seen him stay here. But I, hey, I still don't know what really happened. I'm not sure if anyone really knows what happened. But I, I would have loved to have seen after the end of the season, Carson to get up there and, and address the fans of this city. So many that loved and supported him for a long time. Yeah, and you kind of also say the same thing. What happened with Doug Peterson? Uh, I, I know maybe... You know, the Eagles wanted some more innovative coaches on his staff. Maybe he was being loyal to his coaches. But do you think that he, in the end, should have been fired? No, absolutely not. Uh, you know, not three years removed from a Super Bowl. And in, in an era of a, the pandemic, an era where Doug himself, you know, had the virus, um, there were just so many distractions this year. I, I, you know, I don't think any of the coaches that lost their job, 
this past season should have been fired. I think the, the circumstances were so difficult for these coaches to work in. They did not deserve to be fired. And Doug Peterson did not deserve to be fired. He should have been given another chance to coach his football team. Hey, that's over with, but I hate, you know, Nick Sirianni's now the coach, but I think Doug deserved another chance. Yeah, and we saw what happened with Chip Kelly and how they were able to rebuild from that mess. Do you have confidence that the Eagles can rebuild this thing maybe in a year or two? I do. Uh, you know, it, it, the, the game is about young players. The Eagles have built an abundance of, of, of draft choices right now. Uh, they got 11 picks, I think, at the moment this year. That You look to next year, they've got, a, you know, they're stockpiling number ones. Uh, teams turn this around very quickly. Now they've got in numbers, they've got draft choices. Now it's up to Holly Roseman, Andy Whitell, that whole war room gang. They have got to select the right players. That is absolutely paramount in this draft. Not the number of draft choices, but making the correct draft choices. So who would you love to see them get at 12? <laughs> Cal Pitts. <laughs> <laughs> that dream is gone. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. Uh, I, I, there's, there's, you look at his team. I, I just believe that, you know, you got to have explosive plays and, and that's always the key to me. And, you know, who's going to drop to them. I think they would be looking at still another wide receiver or we know how he loves offensive and defensive linemen. So there's some good offensive line that will be available at 12 and some good pass rushes available at 12. And, and, you know, by the way, I agree with how he's approached to winning in the trenches. Yeah. Now a lot of people during those Andy Reid years, when they were selecting offensive linemen, <laughs> they were upset, but that's how you win titles. So let me ask you this. John, John, you got to select the right one. <laughs> Not a fireman from Canada. That'd be your... <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you're sitting there and you have a chance at one of those two receivers uh, or maybe one of the cornerbacks, top couple each way, which way are you going receiver or corner? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go wide receiver. I'm an offensive guy, John. And, and... <laughs> You know, maybe it'll be a, a Jalen Waddle may slip a little bit. Smith may slip a little bit, but they'll have to slip. But I, I would probably go Waddle ahead of Smith, a uh, very dynamic player. Jamar Chase will be gone. Uh, no question of that. And when you look at the Eagles going forward, we talked about Jalen Hurts getting his chance. You saw what happened with the team in Carson Wentz. Do you think Jalen Hurts is a better leader and commands the locker room better? You know, it, it, it's hard to say that. You have to be there. And for, you know, the, the people I've spoken to, have said wonderful things about Jalen Hurts. Coaches that are not on his staff right now, where if they wanted to say something negative, they certainly could, did not. They spoke in glowing terms about Jalen Hurts, his leadership skills, the type of character he has, uh, how much he wants to be the first guy in the last guy out, how much he wants to work his butt off and just be a, a football wonk. Those things are all good. But I wasn't there, so it's really, it's really hard to comment based on other people's thoughts and rumors that are always circulating. All right, Jaws, who's wearing number seven this year? Joe Flacco, man. Did, did, uh, I mean, does he, does he ask you? Yeah, Joe reached out to me and he asked me if he could wear number seven. I said, I appreciate you asking, Joe. It's going to cost you 10 grand. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only <laughs> <laughs> he just yeah. has to come to your charity golf event. Right? You know, he comes every year, by the way, John. Every year he's there. So in uh, my seven tap tavern, we got another seven. So it'll all be good. Now, did he ask the other number sevens? I don't know. There's only one number seven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't want to upset anybody. You know, the, the, the Michael Vicks, and, you know, there's a lot of guys that wore seven through the years. I just didn't like it when a place kicker wore it. I wanted a football player to wear my number. <laughs> yeah, the NFL is starting to uh, maybe ease a little bit on these numbers, right? Yeah, I did notice they're going to allow a little more separation of uh, the numbers you have to wear or can wear 
but players, players, there's always some affinity toward numbers. I, you know, I always liked number seven. And the crazy reason why is a, as a young man growing up, John, uh, I was a Mickey Mantle fan. It wasn't even about football. I love the number seven because I used to love Mickey Mantle and the way he played the game. And that's why I wore seven. And seven is a QB number. I agree with you on that. And, and it's a good number. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Jaws, we, we appreciate the time. We love catching up with you. Uh, and hopefully the Eagles can rebuild this thing. Hopefully it doesn't take more than a year or two. They will. I think they will. And also, John, thanks for picking up on this Kyle Pitts story. So many people looking for negative stories to find about people. This is a really good young man. I'm not talking about a football player, uh, but I'm also talking about the good things being done in this community. So I'm glad you picked up on that. Thank you. Well, that was our uh, executive producer, Rob Kessner, looking out. And uh, great work you do with all of the foundation's work and giving back like you did. And to see Kyle Pitts, when you see him get drafted, that night, are you going to look at him and say you had a piece of that? Hey, I'm pumped, man. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, when I saw the clips of him at the Huntington Park ribbon cutting, I'm going, that kid is now this kid <laughs> at six foot six and 245 pounds. And, you know, he, he, he will be a top five pick, but he's the best player in this draft. Quarterbacks always go early. We, we know that. The prima donnas got to go first. But, man, Kyle Pitts, when I see that little kid, at the uh, with the hunting park Aztecs and now see this kid going to be drafted early in the first round I get goosebumps that's awesome uh remind me and, and be honest do you remember him from that day almost a decade ago I do not the good the good thing is there are hundreds of kids football players and cheerleaders that benefited you know from the money that we were able to raise and with that many people I, I couldn't I couldn't remember but when I saw the tape I had a little flashback that's awesome well Jaws I know we'll see you on a golf course this summer. <laughs> you everybody's, got that right. <laughs> everybody's going to be back out, and it was great catching up uh, with you. Amen. Thank you. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. And of course, please subscribe for free to Take Off with John Clark on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast and rate and review it. We appreciate you listening. 